1: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Einswick Dogquip, who is our good friend Jason Furman, and we are recording him now, a new ad, because it's very exciting to announce that he has firepaw mills now. That's pretty cool. Yep. So it's another brand of mill that he has. So he still has the HF mills. You can get those from him. And he's distributing now for Firepaw, which is, a, I think they're a UK-based mill.
0: And he's got the spring poles as well, I've seen.
1: Yep. Spring poles. Spring pole
0: mounts. All that, all the good gear. So, everything you can do. If you're into the GRC side of thing, which is really starting to take off around yep. the world now, Yep. Jason's got a lot of that gear available yep. on his website. Well, not his website, he hasn't got a website, nah, he, doesn't he? Have he website. does Facebook.
1: Bloody Facebook. you got to find him on Facebook. Ironswick Dog Quip on Facebook.
0: Get yourself on a bloody website, Jason. Yeah. You know, Squarespace, not that hard. Yeah.
1: If you need anything, really, he's a distributor for Herm Springer. He can get you branded leashes, tugs, balls.
0: If you need it in dogs, talk to Jason. Yeah, he's great contact in the field. Get you whatever you need. Einsweek dog quip. Einswick dog quip. Einswick.
1: Einsweek. <laughs> Welcome back to the canine paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio for the last time of 2018 by my co-host Mr. Glenn Cook.
0: Hello everybody. How you going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. It's been a good year. It's been a mad year. It's been a really good year. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, we've been reflecting over it and talking about all the guests that we've had on and some of the special interest things. I might, should we do this at the start or do it at the end? Yeah, let's do it now. Okay. We've constructed a list of guests. We've had a few of them on a couple of times that you would well be aware of by now. Mm-hmm. However, the list in front of me is just a group of people that I'd like to thank, we would like to thank, sorry. Mm-hmm. This is a duet show, not a solo. Mm-hmm. So we would like to thank all these people in no particular order. Jazz Whiting, who we call Sweats, who you'd be familiar with. We've had Andrew Clark on the show. We've had my wife, Narelle Cook. We've had Panos. I call him the sleeping boy because I can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> We've had Bart Bellen. We've had Gerard O'Shea, Chad Macken, Jay Jack, Tyler Mudo, Sean and Janet Edwards, Josh Moran, Forrest Mickey, Brenton Cat, Larry Crone, Jerry Bradshaw, Megan Carnes, Bertie Oshidi, and the fabulous Michael Ellis. Yeah. They're all fabulous, actually. Yeah. Everybody's been phenomenal, and... I mean, when you look at that guest list, that's really a who's who of some amazing people in the dog training world. Yeah, for sure. To top that for our first sort of really official year, it's going to be a hard one, but we're how, going to try. How many episodes do we get out the year before? It was only like maybe two or three or yeah, four Yeah, I think we had about four or five. It really, we just roll it all into one year, really. Pretty much, because- I mean, that was just a sort of a test year to get things going. Yeah. So, 2017 was when we sort of got things going. But it was late
1: in November. So. It was
0: late in November. The interview you did with me, we didn't even know how to edit properly. Mm. We, we didn't get it through the system. I was coughing and we couldn't get rid of the ums and ends and mm-hmm. everything else we needed to get rid of. So... Now, we've we've actually learned a lot, like the whole process in- You have. Well, I, <laughs> well, we both have because we sort of know now not to make the same mistakes. We test the equipment thoroughly yeah. before we get on air. But yeah, the producing of the show has been quite an education, to be honest, because now I know what to look for. I can even look for and identify ums just on the audio sine wave. Yeah. So, I can see them as I'm scrolling through and I think, oh, here comes one now. And half the time, I don't even have to listen to it. I just highlight it and dump get it. Get rid of it because it's got a certain signature that you get used to when you're seeing. So yeah, that's the boring technical side of things. But the exciting thing was getting to share some airtime with some of these wonderful people who are legendary and synonymous in the dog training world in their own right. They've been instrumental in paving the way and changing the format and helping us to all be better technicians and trainers and students and Mm -hmm. teachers. So thank you very much for... Your patronage and your wonderful. Oh, set. you know who's not on that list? Who's that? All the people that we did at the IACP.
1: Oh so, yeah, the, like, the hot
0: seat guys. Yeah, Horny George, Horny George, and Bow Wow Bill.
1: Mm. There's a few
0: people there. Yeah, that's right, Byron. Byron, uh, yeah, Byron Florence, I mean, Alex on there, Alex Edwards. Yep, yeah, Alex Edwards, uh, he's on there. Uh, so yeah, Emma, those guys. Number one fan in Canada, oh, How could you get Emma? Oh, Emma Murdoch, yeah. She'd kill us for not bringing her up. Oh, my God. Especially considering she's hosting us for a seminar next year. Are you meant to tell anyone that yet? Yeah, I think so. Okay. yeah. So that's happening in Canada in um,
1: September? September. Yeah, yeah, week
0: before the ISCP conference. Yeah, week before the ISAP conference. Pat and I are both going over there to do a dual seminar. So we're, mm. um, we're co-hosting a seminar there as well that's going to be fun. Oh, on that,
1: if you live on the drive between Ottawa and Colorado Springs, mm. get in touch. We need to talk to you. Yeah, because we're road live, tripping
0: and we'd love to catch up with some people. Yeah. If you live and work or do
1: anything cool with dogs, if you're not cool, don't get in contact with us. Like if that doesn't like, mean go 500 <laughs>
0: kilometers out of the way. To, to.
1: Yeah, like if you if it's two hours off the normal drive- we need to talk to you. We need, we have this plan of road tripping and please get in contact with us. If you're not cool, don't get in contact with us. If you're just like, <laughs> yeah, I listen to the show, but I don't have any dogs. Like that's probably not going to be helpful for what we want to do. Yeah. But please, if you do do anything cool or have a training facility or Absolutely. anything like that, get in contact with us between Ottawa in Canada and Colorado Springs.
0: Yeah. And if you Joe Rogan, we'll travel the 500Ks to come see you. Yeah. Joe, get in touch. Or Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Yep. Jordan, get in touch. Get in touch. Okay. A couple of others I'd like to thank for their generosity and their uh, professionalism as well. Of course, the voice of our intro, Mr. Lofty Fulton, who is also one of the most synonymous voices in Australian radio, especially for 2GB. He's constantly on the radio there all the time. He's Now that our listenership's like almost half overseas, a lot of people probably don't recognize his voice. Like They, they wouldn't know who he yeah, is because not. he's not – Synonymous with overseas radio, but in especially in Sydney and parts of Melbourne, around Australia, he does MasterChef and everything like that. So he's quite well known for his voiceovers. We'll probably have Lofty on the show next year because he's bringing out a book about his life. So We may get a chance to interview him and have a Is there going to be an audio
1: book? It would seem crazy that there wouldn't be an audio book that he reads. I
0: think he would be doing his own (laughs) audio for his audio book. I think that's the plan, yeah. yeah. So, he's read some passages about it. I think he read some of it to Josh as well when we went out for dinner one day. Yeah. Fascinating story. It's about... His life and some of the trials and tribulations he went through over the period of time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's quite a fascinating read. That'd so, be cool. Yeah, it is. Some of the things that he's overcome, and there's reasons why for that. But I'll let Lofty tell that story when he comes on. To do it. Possibility of a new intro voiceover. So um, mm-hmm. we'll speak to Lofty about that as well. We had a bit of fun with that as well during the year. We did imitations of the voiceover. Jazz did one. I did one. Pat did one. Yeah. So we had a bit of fun with that as well, which was pretty cool. And I've got to look back and say, I really enjoyed this year. It's been a top year.
1: It has been good. The thing I w- the people I would like to thank the most as we sort of carry on is people who are listening and people who give us feedback on how the show's going. 100%. It's been a huge year for me professionally. Mm. The first dog that I've ever had been in a position to keep and train and compete with since leaving the army and having a dog that I was mine and I wasn't just raising someone else. That is sort of all come together for me. It's been a big year and getting to compete and doing stuff with the dog. And then also this has given me the opportunity to sort of prove to people that I, I know what I'm talking about. And the dog is also, well, this is an opportunity to, to prove to people I know some theory and the, that dog has given me the opportunity to prove I know some practical as well. So, that's the opportunities that have come of this podcast for me next year are huge. And yeah, so it's really I, good. That's really, you know, I only can thank you, mate, for helping me. Well, you for the idea of doing it all and putting the show together. Sure. But for the listeners that listen, tune in every time we put something The people out that and,
0: support us, that actually yeah. take time out of their day and yeah. encourage us and give us feedback. I mean... It's, it's pretty awesome when people like... You know you have these ideas about dog training and and
1: so forth and then you're you know it's it's good to hear that you're on the right track mm. when people say oh i've tried that it didn't just work for you i've been trying that and it's working for us and and to be able to put out out that information and have
0: people receive it well is awesome i'm really happy with that we've think- said a few times and i'm quite sincere about it is that we didn't know where this was going when we first started we mm. didn't think we didn't know we'd get past 20 episodes or anything like that now we're well past 50, mm. um, the reach that we've got, like we're marching into 100,000 downloads, we're in half the countries in the world. Mm-hmm. The statistics have just been... Uh, Which for just a two dickheads in Australia is pretty cool. <laughs> it is. It, it really is. is. is yeah. I mean, the fact that people around the world, especially in the dog training industry, and I've got to tell you, one of the things that I'm really impressed about is the relationships that's mended as well. For me personally, some of the people that I've had, a strange relationships with mm-hmm. it's just one of those things you know that life happens things get in the way and like i said life happens but there's people that i'd fallen out with for one reason or another but since the show we've reconnected mm-hmm. or connected in a better way and it's given us a chance to refind a friendship all over that's again that's cool it is cool i'm really i'm humbled that people have seen enough value in letting water under the bridge
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is cool Hey, so we put a poll on Facebook about what mm. was people's
1: favorite episode and you fuckers said all of them, <laughs> we can't decide. So like as flattering <laughs> as that is. You just told them what wonderful people are and you called, <laughs> call them a bunch of fuckers. Yeah, but as flattering <laughs> as that is, that's not helpful for producing, yeah. uh, streamlining content and producing a better show. Yeah. Like, critical feedback is enjoyed. Yeah. So thank you very much. All of them, I can't decide was the highest voted
0: for episode. After that was Bart Bellin. And, you know, which huge- is quite a compliment, really. Like, if people yeah. are saying, you know, the shows are all so awesome that I really love them. Yeah. I mean, that really says, that screams out something. Yeah, exactly. Mm.
1: Hey, so huge thank you to Bart and Michael Bellin as well for, you know, everything that I'm spruking, really. They're the source on so much that everybody around the world is doing. If you yeah. trace it back, where did you learn that from? Where did he learn it from? Where did he learn it from? So much of it goes back to Bart and Michael. It's, it's really unbelievable that they're the source of so much information and, and we're so lucky to be friends with them and talk to them on a regular basis. For sure. And obviously, Bart's the highest uh, downloaded episode because he's the – this is a grandfather of modern dog training, so that's you wouldn't really expect anything other. And really, and grateful. he's proven it too. Yeah,
0: exactly. He doesn't just talk a big game; he no. he operates in it as well. Yeah, that's right. Mate, so really grateful for everything Bart's given me. I can't tell you how impressed I am hearing those words come out of your mouth. Because most people who do well in dog training and learn from somebody else <laughs> do not credit their teacher yeah. for doing that. That's really quite something that you're actually paying it back to yeah. somebody that you respect and learn from.
1: Well, I, I appreciate it more than I could really. I know you do. And you, can, you can tell. And the thing is, as well, like everything that Bart knows about dogs is hard fought, and then I had it laid out to me you mm. know like so and that's why I'm so blessed to now be able to teach it to people and I didn't I don't have to figure this shit out myself over 45 years mm. I was sat down and taught it and now I'm able to do the same for other people It taken me a long time to get to the point where I can do that and the more I talk about it here the more I teach it to people the better I get and more refined at doing that and passing on the information exactly like when we're talking to Michael Ellis about that the more that you teach it the bit you know you can see that the, you know how you need to refine it. Yeah. Well, the yeah. verbiage I used on a different guy yesterday isn't getting through on this guy. So now, because I understand the content rather than just can say the words, I'm able to re realign it all and put it all together in a different way.
0: And now he understands
1: that and I've got that in the bank.
0: Mm. And you're so quite serious yeah. about it too. which oh, is I love the, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know, I know how involved you are in it because I can see that it's not just something that you do as a little bit of a hobby and then you, you know, like you piss it off. It's become like a... It's an obsession. You can say the word. Yeah, it, the, it, the obsession was the word, but it's become like a genuine obsession, like not an unhealthy one. Yeah, it's yeah. not a, It's not one where you're you're crazed and psycho about yeah, it. Yeah. It's one that you're actually genuinely obsessed by in a good way. Yeah. Because a, you can see the improvement you're having in your own dog, and b, you can. I mean, I know what great delight you take in teaching people this information. Yeah, I you do know. That and that, I mean, mate, I'm super proud of you. Like, thank for, you. Man. For somebody who's come into this industry, the short time you've been in here and what you've applied yourself and taken away from it and what you're able to give back to people, like some people have been in it for decades and can't do what you've just done. Yeah. So you should be really proud of yourself. Thanks, man. Well, Mm. while we're blowing smoke up my ass,
1: (laughs) I think, you know, I'm pretty good with dogs. I'm not amazing. There's there's better people with dogs. But what I am very good at is teaching people. So Mm. there's people out there who can teach if there's a hundred things to know about dogs, they know 99 of them and they can teach five of them. Uh, and I'm, I'm lucky if there's a hundred things you can know, maybe I know 80 of them, but I can teach probably 75 of them. Like I I can really
0: pass on a lot of the knowledge. So that's where, that's where my skill lies. Hmm. Well, the term that I like, I've heard you say it a few times and Chad mentioned it a few times as well, talking about deep diving on subjects. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you're very good at. Mm-hmm. Like when you, you're you very immersive in things that you get involved in, you mm-hmm. don't just sort of take the surface and go, oh, well, I'll just skim through that and fake the rest of it. Like you do deep dive right through the whole package and then you, when you do unpack it, you look at it clearly. And that's where you're fortunate with your obsessive side is that you want to know about it and that immersiveness yeah. helps you translate it better because then you develop the language around it that you can say, okay, well, if everybody needs to know this, what's the common language I need to pass it through? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, right. that's
0: quite a skill. So, that's, that's how awesome I am. <laughs> Thank you. You're
1: welcome. Hey, so we, we asked for some questions to wrap up the year. Oh, what's your favorite episode? I've just sort of laid out my stuff. My favourite episode. Oh, and then there's something else I want to talk about as well. So, you tell us what your favourite episode's been. I'd have to say...
0: You're looking at the guest list, but it doesn't have to be someone that was on. It could be just one that we talked about. I'm always happy with the ones that we do on development and tools in training and so forth. Mm -hmm. I think those to me... Like, the educational ones are always my favourite ones. Like, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about education, I'd have to say probably... Just because of the laughter and the explanation around the subject was the one we did with Jay. Oh, yeah. The laid stress model. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that because, I mean, fucking hell, I just laughed my head off it. That rates episode. pretty highly,
1: that episode. A lot yeah. of people give that that feedback, mm. which is awesome.
0: Jay is fucking excellent. He's a fun guy to talk to. I don't to. think Jay gives himself as much credit as he deserves, Jay described himself one day to me when we were talking about Jiu-Jitsu as a bit of a nerd with things, mm-hmm. and I think that actually gives him the ability to also deep dive into subjects. He's, mm-hmm. he's way more intelligent than he gives himself credit to be. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's funny about Jay is Jay cares about more people more than he lets on as well yeah. because you wouldn't be such a good teacher if you didn't care about passing the information on to people. Like, I know- well, He cares about certain people. He does, and Jay's a super hard man. Like, I mean, honestly, Jay is- Definitely one of those people. He's a combat master. There's no two ways about it. He's very hard in his own personality, but he's also got an incredibly giving side. Mm. You don't open schools and teach people your skill and your lifestyle if you don't care about people. You don't talk about dogs and so forth if you don't care about people. So that's one of the things I really enjoy about Jay.
1: Speaking of which, we should plug his online BJJ course as well. You've watched that, right? yeah but i've forgotten the name of it it's like um functional bjj functional bjj yeah yeah that's the one i'm watching it because he told me about it and i was like well he sent me it and uh which thank you very much jay because Are you joining in the cult well i can't join the cult, mate. my back's fucked i've got a, i've got two fractures in my back and three bulge discs i've got yeah. tears in the my my cartilage in my hips I'll, I'll be paralyzed in the my third day in the cult yeah but my kids in the cult. And I want to be able to drill with him. And so I can learn the stuff good enough to beat a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) And so we can – I can watch the videos. I'm watching Jay. And it's that awesome delivery instructional technique that we're accustomed to with Jay. Mm. And I'm learning just some very basic drills that my kid's learning in the class. And then – when we can fuck around at home, at least I can do it correctly.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, so absolutely. It's, it's great instruction. He's very, very good at instruction.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm never going to be a jujitsu guy. And even when I was in the army, I was never into the unarmed combat stuff. That's why I was so good with the gun. Because yep. I was like, you know what? If I just get really good at shooting people,
0: I will never have to fight anybody. <laughs> and it turned
1: out to be true.
0: Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, One of the funniest things on the episode for me still to this day, which I still find myself chuckling at, is your story about falling in the puddle of shit. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like I I still, I'm just sitting there from time to time. And even if I see the subject getting out of the shit, I still chuckle at myself just (laughs) thinking about it.
1: Well, it's just one of many stories that I could tell. I think the episode that has caused me the most happiness and stress is that fucking box episode. Oh, yeah. Because first of all, there was the issue of, well, let me- What's the size dimensions for the box? So I personally have listened to that one at least 10 times Mm. because every time someone asks a question or I see them doing something wrong, I'm like, did we not explain it correctly? Like, is this not right? And I go back and I'm like, no, it's there. And we've talked about doing the like a whole episode, The Box Revisited. But it's but like, all there. It would be the same thing. If, yeah. if you're not going to listen the first time, like I don't need to – I can just send you the link to the original yeah, I don't
0: one. know how many times I've said to people, episode four, Mysteries of the Box. Yeah.
1: So, let's revisit the box just for a couple of minutes. The first thing is the size of the box doesn't matter, right? Yeah. It's not about the size. I've stopped giving out the dimensions. Everybody gets a good laugh out of that. But you know what? All those people that fucking laugh about it, they PM me asking the
0: questions of the dimensions, right? So they're, they're, <laughs> they're guilty of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: they're the, they're just as guilty. People yeah. who have their own boxes made. Oh, look at this! I had to PM you the pictures. Yeah, so they're just
0: going. Oh God, I'm I'm really just yeah. That, so don't that get person. get off your high horse. Yeah, yep. you had to be sent them. Yeah,
1: second one, right? A lot of people I see are missing the point of the box. It's a epopo exercise. There is more that carries on after than what we have spoke about, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak about on the podcast. But the process that we laid out is for a reason. And people can modify it and do their own thing. That's fine. But you're not getting the benefits that we described. So I see some people who are just feeding the dog in the box and then basically harassing their dog while it's being fed in the box. And it's a competition of who can who can fuck their dog around the most while it eats out of the box. The point And there is, are certain
0: breeds that will eat through the box. Like, yeah, you know, that's that, right. That's no challenge.
1: And the point is to get to the part where the box is empty. And you're meant to do that. In, if your dog is stable, if you don't have any issues, that's session one. If the dog mm-hmm. will happily put his head in the box, you should start getting to the point where the dog keeps his head in the box you create some difficulty, then you throw food in. That's Nipopo, right? Mm-hmm. That's the idea of it, that the struggle announces the reward. What a lot of people are doing is Popo Nay. It's free food in the box, and now I fuck you around while you're doing it, right? Yeah. So it's a total opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I see doing it are just teaching their dogs to eat fast, yeah, right? Because the dog knows you're not a threat. You're not producing any real struggle. You're mm-hmm. just... Sticking your dog around and some of you are risking creating food aggressive dogs. Yeah. Right. So the idea is the moment your dog understands, I put my head in this box to eat, you take the food
0: out or you don't have the food in there and
1: you deliver the food into an empty box. Yeah. That and you is should, the point.
0: Yeah, you should be getting the same behavior from the dog, independent of the food being in there. So the yeah. dog wants to be in the box, regardless of there's food in there or not, in anticipation that if I do this properly, you will. Yeah. Reward so long me. as there's
1: an article in the box, yep. and that's where the article is necessary. So they don't just usually get their a little head washer box. or something. Whatever like you that. want it doesn't yep. matter. It could be anything. So yep. so the dog knows when the restaurant is open and the restaurant is shut. When the opportunity exists and when it doesn't. Yeah. Otherwise, if you get a dog that's too full of hope, you get a dog that just keeps his head in the box all day. Yep. Just listen to it. Just go, like, listen to the whole thing. Mm. Like I said, the the goal is to get to the point where you're trickling food in and there's some sort of struggle and then the food goes in. Yeah. And there's a reason for all of that, I promise, and that I would prefer to see people doing that rather than just
0: teaching their dogs to eat fast. Speaking of which, I think people are really going to enjoy the new – it's not a plug just for Patreon, but I think people are really going to enjoy the new meal episode we Mm. did for the Patreon – I re-listened to that the other day while I was editing it, and it's a really good episode. So, yeah, cool. I think there's going to be a flurry of people getting onto the mill after this, Yeah, which will be the new box. Mm. They'll probably ask you- What are the dimensions of the, the dimension mill? What are the dimensions of the mill? You know what? <laughs>
1: you can send all those questions to Jason Furman <laughs> at Ainsley Dog Quip. He's going to get you the mill
0: if you want one. There you go, Jase. As right. a plug for you. Yeah, so. Hey, we've got to thank Jace too. Oh, yeah? He was sponsor? our original sponsor. Our first sponsor, yeah. Our first and original sponsor for the show. Thank you very much, Jase. Thank you for your patronage. He, to be honest, Jace hit us up like after the first episode and wanted to
1: sponsor the show. Yeah. And told him to go away. We're Mm. like,
0: we don't even know if we're going to keep this up, mate. Yeah, he believed from us in the get-go. He's the original person who believed in the show and wanted to offer support. Yeah, Pat said, you know, like, beat it. Well... (laughs) We'll see how we go first. And when we realized that things were getting wings and we were doing the right thing and people did enjoy listening to our show, Jason came back to us and said, hey, I'm still interested. I'm still here. And uh, we've actually had a few more people. We're probably talking about having a canine paradigm seminar. So more details on that. I'm going to- Well, we've already talked about that. We're doing it in Canada. Well, we're doing that one in Canada, but yeah. I'm talking about like a homegrown Australian yeah. um, seminar that yeah. we will probably be putting something on with us and some other talent mm-hmm. that will pick who we want to be on there. Mm-hmm. And that will be announced at some stage, but that, yeah. that'll be quite exciting. we have got to figure out what that's going to look like and when it's going to be. It's going to be like a carnival sort of thing. A carnival? Yeah. We might make it something like a week long and just like a oh my full education juggernaut. I don't know. We're still throwing ideas around where we're coming. All right, up with some you ideas. Australians, tell us what you want. Yeah, tell us what you want. We're happy to do something like that, but we are looking at creating some sort of seminar juggernaut mm. in Australia for Australians and anyone who wants to come over and make the trip over, mm-hmm. but having it like a woodstock for dog trainers. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. All right. We so- need something like this. We need to recognize our talent and our people and you we know, do. our our country. We are a very gifted, giving bunch of people in this country. We're very knowledgeable. We're producing great results. We're catching up to the rest of the world. We're really starting to make some serious headway in this country and we've got some brilliant people like I said, our own homegrown talent that would need to be recognized and celebrated. So yeah. we're going to look at doing something like that.
1: I agree. I think that in Australia, we need to start respecting each other more. Yes. And in, in the capabilities and strengths that we have here. Yeah.
0: There's always people that we're not going to personally get along with. And we're always going to have that. We don't have to be best friends with each other. But let's not – Professionally destroy each other as well. Mm. You know, don't get in the way of somebody who's doing. If they if they're hustling and they're doing a good job of it and they're not hurting anyone, then just leave them alone. Mm. If they are being a shit, then let's fucking throw stones at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the people that are fucking other people over. They're the ones that I have a big issue with. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, so we asked for questions. What do you want to hear? Bit of a
1: AMA style round. Jetta Cutlick, first one in. Other than people who want to know the dimensions of the fucking box, fuck what, you guys. <laughs> what are your guys' training goals for the coming year with your personal dogs? Well, we've got PSA
0: two coming up. That's it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's big enough right now. That's that's a, right. that's a hard a hard episode already or a hard training regime. We'll be having a PSA trial
1: in Australia. Uh, so Sean and Jerry are locked in coming to Australia the first two weekends in June. So. So,
0: Jerry is the grandpappy of PSA. Yeah, he wrote the rules. Yeah, he's he the wrote executive the rules, director. He.
1: Mm. He's coming out to Australia. It's taken a little while to have the stars align for that to happen. Yeah. But we've locked that in. And Sean um, Edwards for his third year. All around good guy. Oh, Sean amazing. Edwards is coming back. Love Sean. So, both are coming because we might need Sean to, to decoy. Like, he judged for us last time and then Janet judged for us the time before. So, Jerry's yep. going to judge this time and Sean will probably end up decoying because I will be competing in the twos and we'll need- a decoy for the two so and be
0: i've been asked to judge yeah so you'll learn be to judge. learning
1: to judge I'll so learning to judge so that's what our plan is for the year really we're both going to be doing our psa level two yep for those of you who haven't seen a psa level two routine this is probably worth talking about a little bit we made a video but i never ended up putting it out was that in the level two and psa well let me go back a step some key individuals in australian dog sport would have you believe that PSA is just about bite work and uncontrolled hooliganism. And I've even seen other people who just believe what they're being told by those people saying, oh, well, it's just a bunch of cowboys doing uncontrolled bite work. The fact is nothing could be further from the truth in PSA. It is, I think, to my knowledge, the only sport where your decoys are on the field in the obedience round. So, in the level two that we're both training for, me, Glenn, and and Jay are all going to be not Jay Jack, Jay Quinn (laughs) Yeah, should clarify that because she did her level one last time. Mm. Three of us have a level one title. We're going to be attempting a level two. In that level two, during the obedience phase, there are two decoys on the field the entire time harassing you and your dog. And so, the control is huge required for Mm. that. Like your dog has to do food refusal from a decoy. It has to negotiate jumps, tunnels, like obstacles. You have to do changes of position while a decoy is taunting him. He has to recall past decoys. He has to down in the present, recall and down the presence of decoys. He has to do a retrieve of an unknown item from between two decoys. All of that's a huge, it, there's a huge component to the obedience uh, portion and it's all done under the stress of two agitating decoys. Yeah. So, People who
0: would have you believe that it's just uncontrolled bite work are fucking liars and wrong. And also an amendment I have to add to that too is our dogs don't randomly go biting people in the crowd. (laughs) So, you know, like, please, before you poke fun at somebody else's backyard, have a look at your own. Yeah. Because that's disgraceful. I think we've made so many attempts to tell people that we're a little sporting club regardless of the sport that we're all doing, IPO, Mondio, PSA, ANKC, it doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that we should be a united system. Yeah. You know, We should all be supporting each other, not trying to fuck one another over. Yeah. You and I have said that many times throughout this year. Yeah. Let's continue that. And the people that are trying to make that difficult – The people that are pulling the strings behind it, the puppets need to, you know, I mean, you need to look at cutting your strings and you also need to tell people to start changing their ways because if you're not, you're as guilty as they are. You know, we talked about
1: that it was an awesome year,
0: but I feel like it is
1: worth bringing up again that the downside to the year was when the the executive or the, whatever they call themselves, the headshed of the Working Malware Association banned me from being able to compete in Mondio in Australia. And gave With no re- good reason. Gave the reason that it was because my dog doesn't have uh, FCI pedigree, which first of all is not in the rules of Mondio. And then two dogs without FCI pedigrees were allowed to compete at the same trial. Yep. So that's a fucking lie. Hmm. And have since changed their own constitution to specifically ban PSA or anybody that would compete in it. But let me tell you guys, they also put into their own constitution that People who have ever done any civil work and people can't give seminars doing the same thing. So I don't know if there's a video of you having done civil work on Facebook with your dog and you're competing in Mondio, you're in breach of their rules. So, you might want to be a little bit careful about that because then you don't have any insurance under their policy.
0: Yeah. Regardless of it, it's just sad that that exists. It really (laughs) is because, I mean, the whole thing about PSA is it doesn't try to exclude people. We've made that clear. That's right. So, all you
1: guys are all welcome to come to our trials and compete in our trials. We would love to to have you. And when you realize that you're bending your knee to some people who are just trying to fuck you over for their own power – You can come and start a club with us and we want to cooperate with you as much as possible.
0: Please, guys, united we stand. I mean, I I can't make it any more clearer than that. I don't think anybody wants this to happen. I just, well, let me rephrase that. There are people that do want it to happen. I Mm -hmm. don't know why. I don't know what the end game is here. And it's a sad state of affairs that in such a small country with a small amount of investment in working dog sports that there exists this jealousy or lack of cooperation with each other. Just stop it. Really cut it out. It's nonsense. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on. Move on to happy times again. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, we're both training for PSA level two. Yep. It's hard. We're training hard. Yeah, yeah. It's It's very difficult, but it's fun. All
1: right. Sigrid says, knowing what you know today, what would you do differently in training your dog? What was the biggest aha moment on your training journey so far? Those are two different questions. But maybe they could be the same
0: answer. I wish I knew the new Napopo earlier. Mm -hmm. I don't regret anything I've done. It's all been a good learning experience to date. I class myself as being very fortunate that I've had, especially in Australia, when we were like working dog was unbeknownst to people. I remember back when I first started, people used to just wrap carpet around their arm and get their dog to do bite work. (laughs) Because they're really... You know, like Frabo and Schweikert and all those companies were just starting to come out with, you know, modern dog training equipment back then. So, Mm -hmm. when I started with Boyd and the crew back then, we did have proper arms. Like, Boyd wasn't just a cowboy just wrapping bits of shit around his arm and teaching, but people were. That's Mm -hmm. what people were doing. I was lucky that um, I had people that did really care about learning theory and did care about proving practices Bart was known on the scene then, but he was – it's like everything. We didn't have the internet that we had today. we, we yeah, the we accessibility wasn't the there. The accessibility wasn't there. That's exactly right. So we were learning off VHS tapes and we were learning off a lot of early type of, of training systems. But, you know, like I said, if you go through this guest list of people that you've had, like having access to these people and, and being able to network with people almost on an instantaneous level, I yeah. mean, that's been an absolute blessing. So for my – personal thing, the new Napo Poe is the way to go. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I guess, because I was kind of into that early, the biggest, well, actually, knowing you know what you know today, what would you do differently in training your own dog? I wouldn't have thrown that fucking metal pipe that day. That, yeah, (laughs) that, that That put you back. It really did because Mm -hmm. it, it was a huge impact and it's, I'm still suffering the effects of that because what happened, well, for starters, his teeth are still an ongoing issue and What happened with my dog is I went through a long period where he couldn't really bite anything in order to try and save the teeth. I should have just taken them out. I should have just gotten rid of them straight away after they broke. Mm. But the ongoing effects that I have now is that I can't not train the dog. So I continued to do that, but was not rewarding with like bites or uh, being allowed to do any bite work. So there was no... I lost balance in my training for a period and I did way too much control work and the dog became way too inwardly focused on me, not outwardly focused on rewards that could come away from me because I couldn't reward with anything like that. Mm. I still suffer the effects of that in that my dog is, uh, I have great control over my dog. In fact, perhaps too much. I would like him to be just a little bit more wild. Then, so that, that's really the biggest issue that I got from him breaking those teeth and not being able to train that way. I should have done no training. I should have done absolutely nothing, but mm. I, I'm not that kind of person. I can't do that. So very difficult, isn't it? Yeah. And mm. especially with a dog that needs to be worked. So it was a case of, I mean, if I could have just locked him in a kennel and brought him out. Four, five months later, six months later, it would have been fine, but yep. he would have been crazy, but that would have been great. I could have channeled that, but it, I don't live like that. I can't live like that. So that it's caused me a lot of issues that I still deal with today. And then also we had the issue of, we got lucky because, you know, he only bit a suit three weeks prior to doing his PSA one, cause that was when he got the go ahead on his teeth and his grip and all that. So it, you know, I would like to have done heaps better showing but we just didn't get enough time on biting. Mm. just didn't, that's what I would change. I wouldn't have thrown that fucking pipe. It's one little incident, right? Like one little thing, it just happened in a day yep. and he smashed two teeth and it's been a huge impact on that dog's whole life ever since and yep. will be forever. And the biggest aha moment in my training journey so far, I think to me, you know, one day was here during a Mike Suttle seminar, and we're playing around doing some bite work with my Springer. I clicked and she ran away chasing a bird and I, for me, that was a huge aha moment. That's all on film. I've got that somewhere. On selective reinforcement. Yeah. Well, mm. it was – what she did was 100% – What she uh, wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. And So, at that point in my training, the click meant take your reinforcer. Yep. Yeah. Whichever one is presented and – Certainly, in a lot of circumstances, getting to play tug with—I mean, she's just playing tug. It wasn't bite work, but yep. getting play to play tug with someone was would be highly reinforcing. Except if a low-flying bird was going past, and for a Springer Spaniel, that is way more reinf- Chasing that is way more reinforcing than playing the tug. And that was a huge aha moment for me in training, where I was like, "This is my system's broken. I yep. need a better system than this because that's an unacceptable outcome. That's not what I wanted to happen because." I wasn't actually rewarding her. I was telling her to bite, and I was using a reward marker to do so. So I was like, no, that needs to be a command. And I didn't fully know how to do that. I knew there was a problem and I knew it had to be fixed, but I wasn't sure how I was going to fix that and maintain a reflexive response to a specific thing. I didn't really know how to do that until I started training with Bart. Mm. And then I was like, aha, that was an aha moment. I was like, I see it. I remember sitting in the classroom. I remember I remember the, what triggered it on the board. I remember thinking, oh, yeah, this is the fix to the problem that I've had for a long
0: time. Yeah. But certainly opens up a lot of aha moments. Oh, and heaps. so does Esther Schulk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But there were so many in that when we did that, the Popo School, we did it together, That the silver. There were so many things that he said and I was like, "Oh, that's why this has been happening." Yeah. It's like that, the glue,
0: isn't it? That yeah. just helps bind everything. Yeah.
1: I you know, I was thinking about all the dogs that I wanted to dig up and apologize to because I was just like, "I'm sorry, I didn't know that's why that had happened." Es- mm. Especially like I had a dog that was wouldn't retrieve anything out of the water and I knew he explained something about collars and I immediately knew how I had fucked that up. I knew yep. exactly what had gone wrong. And I was like, oh, I wish I could apologize to that dog because I was stumped. I was like, what has happened here? Mm. But I knew he told me and I was like, that's exactly it. And there were so many things like that where you just go, oh, I understand now. That's why that's happened. Yeah, it's cool. Those, you don't, don't do it again moments. in the future. Absolutely. But it's 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 frustrating
0: to think about the things, you, the times you've done it in the past. Mm. Yeah. Doing the learning theory with Bart was, there was a lot of it where I thought, oh, I know all this. yeah, But, <laughs> It wasn't the lengthy conversations that I was having with Bart. It was some of the small things yeah. he said. Like I said, it was just that yeah. congruency and the glue that he just puts it together. And you yeah. think, holy shit! There's a you know, of spot- like that's the bind that the, the yeah. cement that puts the two bricks together. Yeah. Mm. There's a couple of
1: spots still available for the the silver school. I'll oh, get on it, guys. March. Yeah. If
0: it, there's a few people who've said to me it's really expensive. Well, what is yeah? The, yeah. What is knowledge that will change the way yeah. that you're looking at training? What what dollar figure do you put on
1: yeah. that? So t- on that quickly, I'll say it, it is a lot of money, but you won't find anyone that's done it that says it's too much money. You won't find anybody that regrets having-, oh, having It, it out, never disappointed outlay.
0: me. And what happens on the school is- And I don't get a kickback for saying that. I just got an no. education for paying for it. Yeah. I got what I wanted. And what what happens is it's learning theory, mm. but people
1: are like oh, like, I know learning theory is like, no, you think you do. What you don't know is the, the sequence in how to do it and the glue, like you say, how what the, the little pieces that bind
0: it all together. Yep. That is the- like, It's the cement. Yeah. You when, just when, don't have the- You've got the bricks. Yeah. Like everybody's giving you the bricks. And, you know, like if you're rolling your eyes at learning theory going, I've heard this, I've heard this, you're not listening yeah. well enough. And especially when, like I said, when you get to sit down- at a table with people like Bart and Esther and and people who really do understand that that congruency that helps to cement those bricks together. Yeah. Don't roll your eyes and sit there and go, oh, I've heard all this before. Listen very, very carefully. You're sitting at a table with giants and you should pay attention to what they've got to say. Yeah. They've proven
1: it too. So, yeah, like I say, spot's still available for that silver school in Sydney, 25, 29 March. Uh, Shoot me a message and I can get all the details to you. I'm not over-exaggerating or exaggerating mm. when I say that it is a life-changing experience for pretty much everybody that attends. So, you know, if you can find a way to do it, do it. Definitely. Okay. That's enough. <laughs> well, the next question, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a different one first and then come back to that. Oh, here we go. So Ben Gert says, in Perth at the moment, there is a strong movement amongst pet dog trainers to address dog reactivity in, then he says in brackets dog aggression by removing the dog from the situation and distracting it with food or toys. They do this under the belief that they are counter conditioning other dogs. Could you please explain why this method continually promotes dog aggression instead of reducing it and how well-meaning dog trainers can correctly apply counter-conditioning techniques to resolve dog aggression? So I think I know what Ben's talking about. I've seen him post about this before and I'll explain slightly differently to what he's just explained because I feel like he's maybe baiting us to explain it the way that he, he would. I've seen him in the past. Mm-hmm. I think it's Susan Garrett. Popularized or coined the term and teaches bat, right? Behavioral adjustment therapy. Grecia Stewart. Grecia Stewart. Sorry, yes, not Susan. Yeah. So the idea is you expose the dog to the trigger and counter condition a distance. I mean, I'm butchering it, but that's it in a nutshell, really. Where people fuck that up is they bring the dogs over threshold and then what they're doing, and it's like we talked about in a Patreon Nipopo episode where a lot of people are accidentally nipopo their dogs into unwanted behaviors. Mm. Because as Bart sort of talks about, Nipopo is life. It's how nature typically works. It's us as dog trainers that do things incorrectly. So what happens is you expose your dog to the other dog. Now, no matter why your dog is reacting, when he says reactivity in like inverted commas and aggression in brackets... Whatever the reason your dog's doing that, it's a discomfort that your dog is feeling. Mm. So we apply that to the dog. People then tend to take them over threshold, tr- attempting to do bat, They do it poorly. They bring the dog over threshold. Then they panic and think, oh, fuck, like I've gone too far. So they go back out of that threshold and then they recover the dog via some sort of like treats, rewards, whatever. So, all they've done is they applied a negative issue. Yeah, they Mm. explored a discomfort in the presence of the other dog. The dog goes into a behavior of displaying aggression or reactivity or whatever it is. They remove that discomfort by moving it away from the other dog. And the dog the goes, first oh, poe, ah, this is yeah. what you want me to do. The first PO is that that discomfort comes off and then they think, fuck, I'm sorry I did that, Fluffy. Here's a bunch of treats and rewards. So that's the second PO. So you've mm. knee-po-poed your dog into whenever I see another dog, I just react like an asshole. That gets me out of this situation that I don't want to be in and the extra positive having left it. So a lot of people are doing that and that is a – I see it in some of the behavioral circles of, of people who don't want to use any pressure. And um, misapplying a good system. Mm. So there, there's a couple of ways around that. You have to use a strong marker and you have to, it's counter conditioning where you like in the presence of this, it announces this thing that you already like. So you can't
0: have that elevated intensity going yeah. on anyway, because yeah. once you, it's like overcooking meat. Yeah. Once it's overcooked, you've destroyed it. Yeah. And so you have to be, if you do,
1: if you are in the model where you can't keep the dog below threshold, then you have to be a hard ass in that state and counter condition via necessity. Mm. Um, Let me give an example of that with a client that I had, which was a dog that was very reactive. It had a lot of issues going on this dog, but had essentially bit a delivery guy and was, it was a life or death situation because a delivery guy basically had this dog's life in its hands. He was a good guy, but had said, I want that fixed, I want you to, he knew me, I want that fixed or else I'm complaining and your dog will be probably put down because it's a bit numerous people, all right? So it really was one of those, this has to be fixed in a hurry. And this is fair enough. Yeah, totally. Hmm. So what we did in that six circumstance was we charged the doorbell to mean food, all right? So you can get a doorbell exactly like we've done with, the, I talked about putting one in the kennels. For Bunnings, you can buy it. A ten dollar doorbell, you get two of them, you put one that's actually your doorbell now, and you have another one that you keep in the house and you use as a marker. So it's a new doorbell, it's not the old one that that, that It's gotta be the same tone. Well yeah, but it's a new one that's not the old one that was causing reactivity in the past, yeah. right? So it's a new tone. We charge that doorbell with the tone, right? Here it is, here's your food that you need to survive. And it's not Like people imagine charging a clicker where you've got a hundred kibbles, you do a hundred reps. That's a bad way to do it anyway. But this was like one or two a day, the doorbell goes off. That's your opportunity to eat. Then when someone comes over while you, while they were walking down to the door, that's the dog's opportunity to eat on the walk. They practice this like without it being real. And then the dog had the opportunity to be reactive. He had all of that, but he also had the opportunity to eat on the walk down to the door being open to allow the deliveries to come in. And there were times where the dog probably didn't eat, but we first showed him the pressure. It's not like we just put this in. We didn't just implement this day one. We mm-hmm. taught the behavior. You must eat after this doorbell goes off. Then when it happened for real, the dog has the expectation of eating, but then he realizes someone's actually at the door and we feed all the way down. If the dog is too aroused and doesn't want to eat on the way down, then he does, that's his opportunity. It's gone. It's over yeah. for the day. You don't get another opportunity. That did happen. Of course, it happened, right? But it only happened, I think, twice before the dog was like, oh shit, that's the only time I get the chance to eat. Mm. So you completely counter condition the idea of when someone comes over, that is a good thing. But when you're using existential food in that model, first, I I, I always want to preface that you've got to teach it first. You can't just go to this. You can't just go, you can't just suddenly implement this. You've got to teach this is exit, like this doorbell announces existential food. But on the walk down there is your opportunity to eat. And if you don't take it, that's you on it. you. That's yep. on you. So you change the counter conditioning model goes from the delivery guy coming over is nice. That would be good. But it actually becomes, I need the delivery guy. He has to come. If he doesn't come, I, I don't get, get to eat. Mm. And and once they realize that that's the doorbell even announces someone's there, they're like, thank God that came. Mm. And again, because this was a, one of those situations where it had to be done quickly. We go a day or two where well, it was one day where we don't feed the dog. We don't ring the bell. We actually withhold for no reason. So the dog's like, if that doesn't happen, that no other food comes. And you know what? That's still like, there was no pressure. There's no force on that dog. The the pressure is the the non-delivery of food and the the negative
0: punishment. You don't get it. You ha- I gave you that, the opportunity. That's pressure.
1: <laughs> yeah, but these were people also that didn't want to. You're
0: talking about there's no physical
1: punch. Yeah, there's no there's no prong collar going on and just crank this out. Yeah, because certainly these people were reasonably intelligent and well, not reasonably, they were very smart and they knew this is a fearful dog. Yep. and we're you not can't prepared. Yeah, yeah, we're not pre- like we can stop the behaviour, but I want, they couldn't stop the mindset, and they flat out said to me, "We're not going to do that." Because mm. I was like, "This is a life. This is one of those times where I'm prepared to use extreme measures because." This guy can basically now demand that your dog be put to down because it's a pretty serious bite. Um, So, I was like, we can stop the behavior. We can't fix the problem, but we can stop the behavior. They're like, no, we want the problem fixed. So, I was like, cool. Well, this is it. We've got to be a hard ass. And it works, right? So, that's where if you're in a circumstance where you have to go over threshold, where you have no
0: choice because the the doorbell, like someone coming to the house is the threshold, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. If you want muscles and you go to the gym and work out, you'll get muscles. Mm. If you want to learn to play an instrument and you spend enough time doing it, you'll learn to play an instrument. If you want to train your dog and you apply a good technique and you're consistent in it, you'll get results in your behaviour. Mm. Don't do any of that; you won't get it. Yeah. Like you can have the best teachers in the world that will give you a technique. Yeah. You know, like I mean, I've been to gyms with people, and I've worked out with them, and I mean, and they're competing bodybuilders. And yet I don't have the physique they did because I didn't follow their advice. I didn't eat the food that they told me to eat. And I didn't work out as much as they work out. So, of course, I'm not going to look like them. It's the same thing with people, with dogs. You can't complain that it didn't work if you're not consistent in the behavior, you got to accept you're going to have your days where things seem to go a little bit backwards for a bit period of time. Yeah. You know, the dog has to adjust into the technique of doing what it's doing. I mean, look, I've applied these techniques with people before where I've done systematic desensitization counter condition programs with the dog where I've told them the problem with punishing emotions over behaviors. Yeah. And same thing they'll say to me, Oh, but it's not working. I said, well, Tell me how long you've been doing it for. Yeah. And I'll go, oh, well, I tried it for a couple of times, but my husband won't do it. And, you know, everybody has to synchronize with this thing. I mean, or the dog is going to die. You know, that's the very grim reality that's coming at the end of the day. Like your one, that was the reality. You'll lose the dog. Yeah. And and it is your fault. Yeah. You know, like we just did an episode last week called uh, It Is Me, Isn't It? you know and that's the thing that people have to get into their head it is you it is your fault mm. because the dog is a direct product of what you've taught the dog to do mm. that doesn't layer in so easy if it's a dog that you've had and it's got previous issues that's not your fault but what is your fault is if you if you do get the right information and you just don't work with it so mm. for example some rescue dogs come into homes and they've got problems with them We don't know what their history is. That's fair enough. We don't know what it is, but can we do something about it? You bet your ass you can. Mm. You can change that dog's future by doing a little bit of hard work and put some elbow grease into it. Mm. So anyway, Ben, I hope that covers what you sort of
1: meant, mate. I think that that's exactly what I see is that people are accidentally ne their dogs into becoming more reactive, when there's loads of other ways to fix that. And I, like like I said, I just talked about one example where you don't control the stimulus all the time and so the dog has to go over threshold. But the other way is to keep it at like below threshold and counter condition properly. Mm. And the beauty of like using the popo correctly is you can just straight counter condition. And when you build a behavioral chain, you can then, the dog Usually dogs will just go through the chain so long as it's all positive. But if you apply some negative pressure in unwanted parts of the chain, the dog will remove those parts of the chain. So to very summarize very quickly, if you get a dog that barks at the you know, another dog that it sees, then you just click and you deliver food. Pretty soon the dog goes, That dog when I see it, I bark, he clicks, we deliver food, and they will happily remove the bark from the chain because it's just part of it's an unnecessary part of the chain. Sometimes people miss the opportunity to do that. They don't realize that either they miss the opportunity for the dog saying, hey, I don't need to bark. You just click and give me the food. Or "and I don't need to do Or they don't understand it. The they think I'm clicking for barking. Yeah, and I'm going to reward exactly. more barking. Exactly. So then people think that they're meant to, the dog's meant to bark. That's the chain. Like people get wrapped up in a chain as well. So that's the problem of doing it positive only. When you can do it in popo, where you put a little bit of pressure on the dog in that bark, even if the people are bad at the timing of, or, or, or forget that they should reward the times he doesn't bark, the dog actively wants to remove that part that he's under pressure for of the chain. Yeah. So that would be the correct use of Nepopo in the counter conditioning.
0: Yeah. Dogs um, love shortening the process. Yeah. Whatever they can do to cut links off the chain, they will do it. Yeah.
1: And I know this is not the correct term, but when I'm explaining that to clients, I say like dogs are inherently lazy. They want to get to the end as quick as possible. Lazy is not the right term. They're efficient think, and they- I think efficient. Yeah, yeah. But, but people understand it better when I say they're lazy. They don't want to go through the whole process mm. if they don't have to, yeah. right? But most people teach them that they have to. So yeah, I think that covers it. All right, Tracy. Tracy Bruin says, I look back at TCP's year, which we've done, and most memorable moments and bloopers. What's the best blooper? I tell you that some, some episodes have hit the floor- We've just, we've finished recording and then, and then I've like taken my headphones off, hung them up and looked at Glenn and said, "Trash." so you're going to delete that now? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We, I think we've talked about on the show before, we've had some episodes where they were just straight out vinegar Yeah, and really, you know, like you just feel the rage steaming out of it because we were giving people a a piece of our mind and although they deserved it and we've just baked off at a few of the dog sport people who have been um, fucktards and but I think that's worth people knowing about that. And w- well, that's villainous. Yeah, and yeah. I am
1: still just—I just can't believe that people. <laughs> this is—I'm bringing it up again. This is the vitriol inside of me over this. But <laughs> I just can't believe that you people are allowing. You're giving people power over you. You're creating gods for yourself. It's actually remarkable to me. Like I'm—I'm I'm amazed that
0: you're allowing. Yeah, that but to look happen. what we've done with our Australian government. I mean,
1: there's. Yeah, but that's outside their control. Like, let's not take it any higher. You don't need to. Like, people are. Beg like essentially like yes yes sir please can i have nut like please can i have some more like it's just insane mm. it is insane these people have no power over you especially when there's a, a an as cool a sport available to you where no one's gonna fuck you around it's madness
0: yeah or just throw out your leaders and start all over again
1: yeah or just change to a different sport where you're totally welcome everyone can have a good time
0: well i think yeah that's the premise of it isn't it is let's find more opportunities to work with each other than against each other because there will be a time where we're all judged. So we're back to it anyway, but (laughs) let's go. What's your favourite blooper? My favourite blooper? Uh, Well, because I do the editing, there's bloopers all the time that I (laughs) have to cut out of you and me sneezing and coughing and making noises that go... (laughs) (laughs) like Like when we go to talk. For me personally, when I'm sitting there with headphones on late at night, listening to that, I always get a laugh out of that sort yeah. of shit. But no one else gets to hear that because you get rid of it all. That's right. We've dropped the C-bomb a few times. I've had yeah. to bleep that out. You just did earlier. I did it earlier, that. but I'm going to beep that. So, yeah. I don't know. Do we need
1: to keep doing that? Let's get some feedback on that. Do we need to? There,
0: there have been a few people that said to me, you know, I don't mind hearing fuck, but I just really don't want to hear the C-bomb. All right. Okay. So, Pussies. Yeah. <laughs> like it is a neck level sort of word though. Is it? I love it. Like I actually, it makes me laugh and it's part of Australian culture. Yeah. I guess let, that's the issue. Yeah. I think a lot of our listeners now being
1: international wouldn't understand some of the way that you could use that word in Australia. Yeah. Wouldn't understand that that can actually be a term of endearment.
0: We've had to explain that when we've been to America. Yeah. Is when we're all cursing each other out, everyone's going, oh, wow, that's pretty heavy yeah. duty. And you're saying, yeah, but that's well, actually- Well, let me, let me
1: tell a story. So yeah.
0: get your bleeper ready. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> right. A friend of mine was on exchange with a, a different army unit. You know, I won't say which one, but he's on exchange in the US. And he's a super good dude. And he's in a, a very, basically, he's in a room full of killers. But he himself is a killer. So that's fine, right? He's, yep. But he's a really good dude. Gets along with everybody. So he spends a little while, you know, getting to know everybody. Develops lots of friendships. Then one day he goes in in the morning. He's in the locker room. And he's like, hey, what up? Sk-? And gets dressed, right? And the rest of the day, everybody's off him. The next day, no one wants to talk to him. So, he says to one of the guys, like, what? What happened? Like, why is everybody why is everybody cold to me? What happened? And he goes, well, mate, yesterday you came into work and called us a bunch of <laughs> And he's like, yeah, because you guys are awesome. He's he like, yeah, you walked straight into the locker room and called us a bunch of yep. Straight to our faces. Yep. And he's like, yeah, that's because I, I really you. like you guys. Yeah. And the total... Divide. And he's like, this is how we use that word. Like, you can walk up to your best group of friends and go, "Hey, what up?" Yeah, and that's totally okay. So I understand. Geez, you've done some bleeping now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I understand that people don't get that,
0: and it's yeah. a weird
1: Australian thing.
0: It was weird for me when, between the nineties and two thousands, girls started to use it a lot more. Like mm. it was, it was always been a bit of a taboo word, but you know, like amongst the guys, it was just like a, like you said, a term of endearment, mm. but mates used to cuss each other out with. And then all of a sudden, the girls used to get onto it. And now, like in this day and age, girls are using it more than ever. Like really? they're dropping it left, right and center like it's a comma and an exclamation mark. Yeah. It's funny though,
1: like in Australian culture, the meaner your nickname or the meaner and shorter
0: your nickname,
1: the more people are likely to like you. Oh, like yeah.
0: The- and, and if you do get a nickname, that means you're liked. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't get a nickname, that means yeah. you are a more offensive it is, and
1: it's usually like derogatory about something. It's something like if you have, if you have some sort of distinguishable physical feature that is totally outside of your control, it'll be a nickname relating to that.
0: Yeah, and that actually means people like you rather than being mean to you, which is odd. I know, but we're also living in a snowflake society where anything is whoa, offensive whoa. these days. Whoa, you're offending me. <laughs> uh, okay, DK Kodak says uh, this is a hypothetical
1: one. If you woke up tomorrow. And dogs no longer existed. What do you think you'd like to do for work, or what other job would you be doing? It's an
0: interesting question. Scuba diver instructor. Scuba diver instructor. Mm-hmm. Diving oh, with okay. sharks. Shark feeding scuba diver. Yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be the first thing that I'd go to. I'd I'd move down to the coast and I'd start working like shark expeditions and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you ever gotten the ferry in Sydney? Yes. So, you know, when the
1: ferry pulls in, there's that guy who like lassoes the ferry around the, the bollard and then ties it up and puts the thing out and everybody, the, the little ramp platform and everybody gets on. Yep. I feel like I'd love that job.
0: Geez, you've really got high aspirations, haven't That's you? Like,
1: it just looks like an amazing job. Just cruising around Sydney Harbour all day, which I love doing. Just talking to people, letting them on the boat, getting to lasso that thing. Imagine how many reps you'd have in the bank at that. Like you'd get so good at it. You'd get deep practiced at that that. I don't know. I feel like I'd really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, that's uh, quite an anomalous sort of response. Not one I expect. <laughs> <laughs> Would know. you be singing Don't Be So Reckless, the Australian Crawl song in your head? Um, at times,
1: yeah. Not yeah. all the time, but a little bit. I feel like I'd really enjoy that job. Every time I get a ferry and I get a ferry as often as I can, I look at that guy and I think, oh man, that that's the job for me. But my shit back probably wouldn't even handle that. So probably... um. Probably not.
0: Is there anything
1: else or are you just thinking that's it? Like that's a- That's it. 100%. That's the only job I want. That's a deal breaker. Um, no, I don't know. I, you know, for me, it's a funny one. I, you know, was in the army pretty much straight out of school when I was 19. Was in, recruited directly to a special forces unit. I've never done anything other than that. You were a mason? Oh, yeah. Well, I worked on building sites, was an apprentice stone mason for a year. Hmm. I tended to stay in the army forever. I was never going to get out. Had I not broke my back, I see I was medically discharged from the army. I think people who haven't gone back to that first couple of episodes probably don't know that. Um, I broke my back 2011, snapped my L5 in two places and bulged through this mm. Got tears in on the cartilage in both my hips. Like my body's fucked. So, which uh, is why you can't join the cult. Yeah, which is why I can't play jiu jitsu with everybody. That's right. But yeah, I would have had that not happened, I would have stayed in the army forever. That mm. was always my intention. I planned on staying in. I was going to be a lifer. So, yeah, if dogs didn't exist and I didn't break my back, I would still be doing that. Hmm. I loved it. it. was It's an awesome life. But I like my life now, too. So, that's fine. Yeah, I, that's I fine really also. enjoy
0: my life. I think that I'm spoilt for choice. I get yeah. to podcast. I get to train dogs. I live at a boarding kennel. I can train and do whatever I want whenever I want. I've got great flexibility, There's a range of things that I can get to do each and every day, which is really cool. I can Mm. be in the office if I want to be in the office. I can be out in the field if I want to be out in the field. So yeah, Mm. I'm actually quite fortunate. All right. Daniel Caruso, who, is that the Karate Kid's name?
1: Yeah. Are you the Karate Kid? You and Glenn have such great insights and views on this industry. I would love to hear your thoughts or recommendations to a new trainer wanting to begin a career in dog training. Should we look to trainers we admire who offer programs or try to train dogs and gain experience that way as well? What would each of you tell someone if they asked you this and you can't say find a new job? Happy New Year. That's
0: a good question. Yeah, that is a good one. Mm. Tolomuto said it well when we interviewed him on the show and he made a point of start reading books. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great thing to start doing is – start getting some learning theory under your belt. Mm-hmm. Like start learning what you're about to do. If you're like most people, your ambition gets ahead of you and what you want to do is go straight to the product without reading the instruction manual first. And then when you fuck a few things up, you'll go back to the instruction manual and think, oh, why didn't I read that first mm-hmm. and then apply it because now I would have been able to assemble it right rather than twist it. Like people who put IKEA things together constantly – them together only to find out that they get halfway through the job and they put it all back to front mm-hmm. if they read simply the instructions on how to do it and applied the theory to the actual practical then i believe that they would be more satisfied and spend half the time having to do it because they've done it right the first time so my suggestion is definitely apprentice to people who know what they're talking about mm-hmm. that's quite difficult navigating through that sewer pit sometimes to actually get a good selection of people because there's a lot of people in the industry, and I know this sounds like it's got a negative twist to it, but it's just the reality of it. There's a lot of people who really market themselves well. like They have this really flashy appeal in the dog training community is all that glitters isn't always gold. Mm. Sometimes you can be trapped into a system and working with people. You won't know what you don't know, until it's too late, Hmm. because you'll be influenced and you'll be indoctrinated into a system where people have influenced you. They haven't allowed you to become worldly. They haven't allowed you to become investigatory. They haven't allowed you to think for yourself because they're so insecure, they want you to think for them. And I guess if my advice is, is anybody who tells you that there's only one way of doing it or it's their way of doing it, avoid them like the plague.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's a lot of people who want to take their role in the industry further and it is hard. I don't know where you are, karate kid. I don't know where you're in the world, but <laughs> you've already found Mr. Miyagi. How can you go wrong? <laughs> I agree. You've got to find someone who's willing to show you and the way to do that. You need multiple people to do that. You yep. need lots of people and to bounce around and realistically, I think make yourself someone who is fun to be around so that people will want you around and therefore you can learn their skills. Yep. Because largely that's what I've tried to do with everybody that I've been fortunate enough to, to develop skills from because the unfortunate truth is like we are almost stealing from these people. Like we're taking their knowledge in order to sell it on sell it, right? Mm. Now, like you, of course, you have the opportunity just to buy people's time. Of course, you could do that and just say, hey, I, I want to pay you to teach me. And there's people who do shadow programs and I recommend doing those. But if you're really, you know, a good mentor or like what's happening with your mentor is you're essentially, he's giving to you slash you're stealing from him or her or whatever, right? Because you're getting the info that they've got in order to go out and become their competition, hopefully somewhere else. Mm. So you need to then make yourself a person that they're happy to do that for. I think that's really the important part about it. And that's why I think I'm, I've been very, very, very lucky. I know that for sure that I've had a lot of people who were willing to give me a lot of information, but it's largely because you make yourself fun to be around. So they're happy to have you around and then they don't resent you when you then are selling their information that they agreed to give to you. As
0: long as you're, I think as long as you're transparent about that too. Yeah, of you course. Know, like yeah, yeah. Transparency is one of the best things that I would encourage people to do is be open and be honest about what your intentions are. Yeah. I think, especially in Australia with the tall poppy syndrome, I think a lot of times, personally for me, what I see in a lot of people is they don't make their intentions clear when, mm-hmm. they're, when they set out to do things. Yeah. They give people the illusion that they're there to hang out with them and they're there to support them and they're there to help their business grow when that wasn't their intention all along. Mm. I think that drives people crazy and that's where you find that you've created a nemesis rather than an ally.
1: Well, and anybody who genuinely believes that someone is there just to to help them has probably has an ego so big that they're not the person you should yeah, be I agree. learning from anyway. Like if you're one of those cliques in dog training, those like little cult groups – that this is our guy, no one else, he's the guy. And you really are trying to benevolently push this guy higher and higher. Chances are he's not the guy. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? If he needs people to be doing that, he's not the guy. So it is a business transaction in a way, but you people want to do business with people they enjoy. Like it's like, Hey, I'm, I think Jerry actually put it the best way in that he's trained Jerry Bradshaw when he was on, you know, he's trained so many people and to a really fucking high standard. Mm. And what he said was that he's not, he doesn't look at it as that he's training his competition. What he is creating- He's raising the bar. Yeah, but he's he's creating cooperative competitors. Mm. So people who, I don't know if that was the exact term he used, but people who are now going out into the industry, he's teaching them about the ethics of how he wants to deal with them in the future as a cooperative competitor in the marketplace. Yep. And I thought that was fucking geniusly put by him in that it's, you got to keep that in mind when you're- asking to learn from someone is that ultimately you will become their competitor in the marketplace. It's a global, you know, I'd say probably half my clients now are overseas doing that many Skype sessions and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm dealing with people that are, it's not like my geographical location is my marketplace anymore. That's mm. not the case. It's everywhere. So I think that you just like you creating, be the, be the kind of person that someone is willing to create into a competitor because they know that they will be a cooperative competitor in the future. Yep. I think. And
0: you're raising the bar. You're setting better standards. Yeah. Mm. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Just don't be a fucking jerk. <laughs> I think that's the golden lining in the, or the 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 silver lining in the cloud is don't be a jerk. Mm. You know, like set the bar. Let's cooperate. It's been explained to me many times. Don't get me wrong, guys. I mean, I had an unchecked. Out of control ego when I've been younger. And it's if it wasn't for people like, you know, when we just to cut back a little bit into the show, when we're talking about people that had an influence on us and so forth, people like Bertie and Josh Moran, I've spent some time with them over this last year and I've really found some personal insight. The Mm -hmm. reading the 12 rules for life was a life changer for me. Those type of things have helped me become a better person. And I think that when you're offered opportunities to look into your own ego and to be a better person and to be more cooperative, there's always people I'm not going to get along with. Mm. There's people that I'm, I'm going to avidly speak out against because I just don't like their style or their shit and I won't put up with it I won't tolerate it. But that doesn't mean that I can't look at my own faults and my own shortcomings and think you need to do better, you need to be better. And a lot of people in the industry need to do that, but genuinely and authentically get into it and embrace that upon themselves and think, you do really need to change who you are and what you're doing and the message that you're selling to other people as well. I mean, I've got a lot of young staff here. We have a lot of young people come through the NDTF. I don't want to poison them with things that are like are wrong. I don't want to say the wrong thing to them, things that I'm angry and resentful about. I want them to get in the industry and be open-minded and have this awe about the things that they can do and the places that they can go and where it could possibly take them and how it could change their life, their career. Mm. I mean, I think that's amazing. I want, I really, really want for myself, I don't think there's anything better for my ego, to be honest, than seeing somebody doing far better than I am and knowing that I help plant the seed and and help them nurture it along a little bit. Mm. I mean, that that would just be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think for you that, like, that, yeah, I agree. But I'm seeing it. I'm seeing people do well. I'm, t- I'm seeing people create their businesses and, like, life has changed for them. I'm watching their online stories and so forth. Mm. I'm proud as hell of them. Yeah. You know, it's like watching a, a father watching their children succeed and, and going forward into that next generation. We're getting older and people, you know, there's younger people coming underneath us and they need to be supported, not squashed. Mm-hmm. Yep. we need to nay-popo them into the future. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug.
1: That's it. All right. Well, then there's actually a few questions. Christian, Emma, who else? There's a couple of people that asked it. Craig asking about the difference between we mentioned the other week in the positive first episode, popo nay versus napopo. Yeah, and that had Larry Crone then spoke about that. That he you know he said that that triggered him into some action, reminded him of something that he knew to be true. So that got a lot of traction
0: sort of around the place. And Uh, thanks for your support, Larry. Really, really do appreciate. We're a big fan of yours and we appreciate that you are of ours as well. And again, that's that cooperation. Rather than letting, you know, saying two giant egos colliding and not supporting each other, it's not about that at all. It's about a collaboration of wisdom and sharing the pool of knowledge between each other. Yeah. And supporting each other. So, mate, really heartfelt thank you to you. Yeah,
1: exactly. To answer that a lot of like people were confused by what we say popo nay it's just that we turn it around it's not that there is to pose at the front it's mm. just that you turn it around that that's to clarify that The truth is if you ask your dog for a behavior he does not do it you apply pressure and then he does do it you are likely training nay popo If your dog can do that in every exercise you mm-hmm. are likely training nay popo likely not definitely but more than likely what happens is people ask their dog for a behavior. The dog doesn't do it. They apply pressure and the dog will do one behavior that is the mother language of re- removing stress or your dog will never do the behavior you asked for because you're applying punishment, not pressure, not like negative, negative reinforcement. Yep, That's the big difference. And the, the sequence for doing that is beyond what we can just explain here in a, in a podcast. We've done, we've done that in the Patreon episode
0: and maybe we could revisit that in the future. We could we'll definitely be revisiting in the future. Yeah. And yeah, there'll and, be in, there'll be more Patreon episodes on learning theory and principles on that, that uh, people yeah. can, and they, and, when they've got the opportunity, when you're doing your seminars on it, they should be jumping on. Well, board. and that's what I was going to say. So shameless plug for myself. Doing, do, do uh, not miss the opportunity. If he's in your neck of the woods and he's doing a seminar, go out and spend.
1: Yeah. Or if you want to organize one, get in touch. And if mm. you if you want to go back to the source on this, you know I I'm happy to. I'm running a lot of two-day seminars now and people can add extra days. That's no problem. If you want to go back to the source on this, you can spend five days with Bart, do the NepoPo Silver School and you'll really understand it then.
0: Shameless plug for myself too is that I've been approached to do a few aggression seminars and a few people have reached out to me online to do Skype sessions on them. I have to tell you again, sorry, but I will not do them via Skype. Mm. I don't do aggression episodes and help you fix your dog on Skype. I need to see the dog. So if I can work with the dog in front of me, once i've seen the dog and i and we can have it, actually have a look at it and see the behavior there's times where people have done Skype sessions with me and i'm just not comfortable that it's going to be applied properly mm-hmm. so aggressions a tricky one i just don't like doing it over distance so mm-hmm. for the guys overseas who have contacted me and asked me we've spent a fair bit of time talking about it and i just would like to reiterate to the people who may be thinking about reaching out to me again i'm not doing it via Skype mm. okay Understood. Yes. I'll stop harassing you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we've hit
1: most of the questions people have asked and we're getting pretty close to being out of time. So that's kind of the year's wrap up. Mm. I've had a really good time doing the podcast. I enjoy doing it. I think the the thing I enjoy the most out of it is we have some fun conversations, but I think that when we get caught up in something like I just kind of did with Ben's question about activity and I just kind of get to play something out in my head. <laughs> and I get to confirm something by explaining it again. But and it ignites then, a fire, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, so starts, it stirs passion within. Yeah. That's what I really like about it. And and whatever, it's funny, I, I somehow manage always, whatever's going on in my training, whatever I'm thinking of a lot at the moment, I always manage to stick that into the podcast I mm. find a way to, oh, that reminds me of this time where this happened, right? And I get to the thing that I was thinking about all the way out here anyway. I really enjoy that we talk to so many people. I think that's awesome. And I'm looking forward to looking forward to having more guests in the future. And, you know, of everybody on that list, just about everybody I know quite well. Mm. I'm looking
0: forward to, you know, interviewing some people who I don't really know. Yeah, like learning about people and where they came from and what they're doing and the journey that they've been on is always extraordinary. Yeah, it's fun and I
1: enjoy the origin stories that we do. I think people enjoy that as well. Mm. Uh,
0: and I mean, I enjoy interviewing people. I like talking shit with people. It's good fun. I don't know if we've said this on the show before, but after we interviewed Bart, I caught up with Tyler Mudo, and he said to me, man, that was a really good interview. He said, mm. but I've heard a lot of interviews with Bart before and he said, but I really enjoyed the one you guys did on your show. Appreciate that, mate. That was- quite especially from you who is considered a industry expert for that feedback uh, that was really quite nice of you to say so
1: yeah i really enjoyed that episode and i was really i you know a lot of people a lot of Nepopo students listened to that and i was a little bit anxious at how people would perceive how like the questions that we gave to bart and i was you know i wanted to tell bart's story like i know him reasonably well and i wanted to get the info that i knew of him out and i think that we we did that and telling the story, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it again. I've listened to it a few times mm. because Bart's story is through his dogs. You know, like the the dog. This is he's why, a true dogman. Yeah and, yeah, and the reason that he is who he is is because yeah, there's a lot of theory and anyone. There's loads of people that can talk theory, but there's no one that can talk that theory and can pull out a dog and pers- achieve what he's done and. Dog after dog. There's a lot of people who, like Thor, you see the videos of Thor because that's what gets around. But go and find the videos with Zot. They're harder to find, but they're out there. And there's multiple dogs. Flip, and there's mm. multiple dogs that have all been extreme. And it's not that the dogs were extreme. It's that the training, the dogs were excellent, of course. We can't, I'm not going to pretend that he just picked found dogs off the street. But he's the real deal. And I'm happy that we were able but to get him But he's also to taught
0: that. people how to do it. Exactly. And that's the thing is that he's he's ignited a fire and a passion in people. I mean, the Napopo brand has spread across the world. Yeah. It's not just in, in Belgium or just in a small pocket of Europe. It is spread across the world. Yeah, it's huge now. When you talk to guests on the show, like, you know, some of the big names we've mentioned before, they've most of those people will turn around saying, oh, yeah, Bart has certainly been an influence on yeah. me. You know, he is one of the cornerstones in some of the more professional people, especially in the working dog fields. But I mean, no-popo doesn't just apply to biting dogs. It is a, a principle that can be applied to life. And that's why it's very important to, when you do get an audience with Bart, that you do actually listen to what he's saying about the application of his principle. Because I mean, Bart thinks about things very, very deeply. That guy is a deep diver. I think he's He is the deep diving record holder um, for learning theory. Yeah. You know, so he really, really goes into it. And there's been quite a few people that have challenged that and said, oh, yeah, but what, you know, like, once you've heard learning theory, it's just learning theory. Mm. But again, you're missing the point. I would say to those people, get your dog out of your car. Well, that's why. Let's see your
1: application of it.
0: Iron Fist. Yeah. Um motto is cool story show me a dog. Yeah. And I mean and that's the thing is that unless you can bring a dog out and show it to the level that Bart has produced with his and that you know that you can offset it against each other look you might know your stuff but can you produce it? Yeah. You know and that's the trick is talk and the talk and walk and the walk. Yeah. I know that the, I think we spoke about this before. I know this is like a
1: cognitive dissonance of mine but I struggle hard taking advice from people who are not better at the thing than me. And I know like even Tiger Woods has a coach and we've talked about this and I get it, but like my doctor for example, he is, when the aliens come, he's the specimen we're going to shoot into outer space to say, like, this is what a man looks like, right? <laughs> Both my physios are the same, because, like, they're giving me health and fitness advice. I just am the kind of person that wants to get that from someone who is the pillar of health and fitness. Mm. I feel like it's a little bit the same with dogs. Now, that's not just, like, I know that there's exceptions to those rules. I know it. I know it, right? But I just don't feel it, Yeah. <laughs> right? I want to see, when someone's like, oh, this, 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 I want to Say, cool, show, show, show me. me, get your dog out. Mm. And if you want to talk about competition, well, you better have fucking competed. You know what I mean? You want to tell me about the ethos of competition and how and why and prepping for competition? Well, you better, you better be able to show me your titles, mm. right? And not just say it. I want it to be provable and, and be real. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I was almost going to drop a name there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey,
0: that, let's, what, let's wind it up. Anything else? I think just in general, again, guys, I can't express my gratitude and and sincere appreciation for all your support. It means, I know I say this a lot, but I I do actually mean it, is that I do enjoy this podcast show as well. Hmm. And, you know, you often talk about the litmus test and things, is when I'm sitting in bed and I'm tired at the end of the day and I'm still sitting up editing this on my lap while I'm thinking about going to sleep. There's times where I'm listening to the show and before I know it, I've got to the whole end of it, editing it, and I still enjoy myself. I still enjoy sitting in here. I, It's ignited passion in me. I'm reading so much more. Mm. Like I'm reading more books in more – volume than I ever have before because of people that have come on this show, yourself, other people that we've interviewed have inspired me to be a better person. Mm. And for me, that's the big thing that's hopefully if if we can inspire anything for you, it's to be a better person. Yeah. And And it certainly has for me. So that's been a really big grounding for me is that it certainly brought me back to earth Help me with some of my my own internal struggles, and um, That's cool. yeah, it is. It is pretty cool, and there's a good list of people I'd like to credit for that. So, yeah. to all of you, thank you very much. You should call
1: this episode the year's recap and a mild circle jerk. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me give you a turn now. Um, for people who probably don't, you done laughing now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay so i'm trying to contain it
1: (laughs) so people don't understand look we get a lot of feedback especially compared to a lot of other dog training podcasts about the sound quality and all that sort of stuff and that is all glenn's hard work he first of all he's not an audio engineer but he fucking may as well be spent that long learning how to do it but you guys listening to this podcast you know however long it goes for it's probably he gives up the time to do it but then at least, what is it? Double that to, to edit it, whatever, however long three an times. episode go for, three times as long to edit it. Mm. And then an hour to do the upload and all the, all the fuck around and that. So this is a, you know, like six or seven hour a week commitment from mm. you to get it out at this, uh, level. Whereas, you know, I just rock up and just swear into a microphone for an hour and then go home. <laughs> um, and I get just as many benefits. Well, from while you. we're
0: on that, can I just quickly insert something here? Yeah, I'd yeah. like to give a sincere. Thanks to Dave, my employer, mm who's one of my best mates. He's an absolutely fabulous guy, and he really is a believer in me and in this show. He's always been fully supportive of this. He's given me time during the day to to do the podcast. So effectively, Dave with Pet Resorts has sponsored um, the Canine Paradigm. He believed in it from the get-go. He's been nothing but supportive for Pat and I. He's been a great pillar of support for me and for us. Mm. And young good guy. He is a really – I mean, Dave is one of the best guys I've met. He's just a – you know, like he's he really is a fantastic person and testament to it that, you know, like he could see this as being competitive to his own business, but he wants me to succeed. Mm. And he's always said to me, mate, you know, look, he's listening to the show when we've been traveling in the car. He goes, fuck, that's just awesome. Mm. He goes, you and Pat are really kicking some goals. So, instead of saying, oh, you know, you should be focusing on work for me, he'll say to me, mate, you know, like, this is helping all of us. Like, it's it's raising the bar and everything. Yeah. And it is. It's bringing the community closer together. Well, I
1: think that's a good – to now give Dave a turn on the circle joke uh, mm. because <laughs> you guys are a local business. Yep. So, it's not like you you don't really promote pet resorts and nor could you – and get much from it from the podcast you know what i mean like because you're a local sydney business it's not like you're having 2000 listeners in the usa
0: brings business to this place funny thing is one of the girls was doing a seminar with one of the with a student here someone who came to do dog training and they got all excited because they found out this is where we do the podcast from. <laughs> and they said oh i just got to tell you i'm a massive fan of the show i can't believe it's it's recorded here in dural <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just we're just in your living room yeah. we just two dickheads and talk
0: yeah but it's our, it's our studio all
1: right circle joke complete mm. hey i'm serious if you live on the drive between ottawa and colorado springs colorado springs yeah if you're even like a couple of hours off the path we need to talk Get in in touch with us, especially if you're doing something cool. If you're not doing anything cool, like I said, just say hi, but don't-
0: Yeah, if you want us to stay overnight at your place and get (laughs) crazy drunk and tell stupid stories and call you a whoa,
1: I'm going to beep it. So, the other thing as well, just as we're wrapping up, is if you're an Australian and you're going to the IACP conference next year- Get in touch as well, but only if you are confirmed, like bought your ticket. Yeah, right? I don't want to hear like, "Oh, I'm going," because you're not getting briefed in until, until you're you're not one of us until you're one of us. That's right, right. Mm. Uh, but it's gonna be heaps of fun. Yeah, we we've got, we've got something in the works. Cool. All right, let's wrap it up. Yep, that's it for the final episode of 2018. 2018 for the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please jump on to whatever subscription service you download us from. Like, rate, share, subscribe, tell a friend, uh, share an episode somewhere. Help us spread the word. That that's really helpful for us and helps us get our listeners up and spread the spread the show and build the community that we've just talked about so much. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, especially if you're between the drive between Ottawa and Colorado <laughs> Springs, do that via our Facebook page. We are the Canine Paradigm on Facebook. That's it. Glenn. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is a podcast. It's the canine paradigm. It's pretty obvious it's about dogs most of the time.
0: But we talk about other stuff. We're always here to chat. For example, a dolphin molested pats.
1: Canine Paradigm, what a wondrous show. Heighten your arousal and lose all impulse control. Plus it's got this awesome intro, which is nearly done. So just sit back,
0: relax, Canine Paradigm's begun. Canine